This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. I'm Helen Farmer. Great to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Talking PCOS on today's episode, polycystic ovary syndrome. Why is that name a little bit misleading? We're in conversation with one woman who has reversed that condition and sharing some of her tips and tricks if you want to do the same. Talking travel with Donata Travel, some romantic ideas for Valentine's getaways, both near and far from the UAE, some brilliant bargains as well. And in Pets and Vets, Dr. Leanne Cameron, sharing what you need to know about your podgy pet and answering all of your questions. Special look at women's health today, polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's far more common than you might realise. Some might experience weight gain, difficulty conceiving. But what are some of the causes? What can you do to treat it in perhaps some unexpected ways? Joining us live in the studio to explain the nitty gritty of PCOS. We've got qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, health coach and the founder of the brilliantly named It's a PCOS Party. Georgie Ricks is with us. And we will be hearing from a sufferer soon. But if you want to share your story or indeed you've got any questions you maybe want a second opinion this is your chance Georgie thank you for being with us today how are you I'm great actually loving this uh Dubai weather she says wearing a jacket yeah it's a bit cold in here isn't it it's a little chilly in the studio but I'm it's great to hear that you're in great health because that wasn't the case for quite some time and you've obviously turned your diagnosis in your teens into a passion and a career in a community. Um, can we go back in time? Because you had a diagnosis um, of PCOS and were living with that condition for about a decade. Take us back to your teens, Georgie. What was going on? Yeah, so, God, going way back, isn't it? Um, so I basically was diagnosed when I was 16 and I went through a couple of years of completely irregular periods. In fact, my cycles pretty much stopped. Um, I piled on a lot of weight. I had very bad skin. I had skin rash on the back of my arms. I had acne. Um, I had hair growth on my chin, which is quite a nasty symptom that PCOS um, sufferers get. And yeah, I just knew something was off and something was wrong. So I went to the doctors and they did um, blood tests and they looked at my ovaries. um, And actually on my ovaries, one of the, you need two out of the three basically to get a full diagnosis. Tell us those three. One is irregular periods or no periods at all. Um, Number two is high androgen levels. So that is your male sex hormones. So um, normally they would test testosterone. Mm -hmm. And then the third one um, is on the ultrasound, it will look like you have sort of black pearls basically coating your ovary. And that is what they, they, they give it the wrong name that they are cysts. They're not actually cysts, they're baby follicles that basically it's the egg that have, that shed down the side when it's not released. Okay. So you had two out of those. I had all three, yeah. You had all three. <laughs> just, just the hat trick of PCOS. Um, so what did that diagnosis look like? And what did, what was, what treatment was suggested to, for you as a teenager? Well, immediately what they, you know, naive to to me, I guess, they put you immediately on birth control because they sort of say to you, look, birth control will actually make some of these symptoms go away. Mm -hmm. Um, A little do you know when you're younger, you know, also I think we're all age 16 growing up a bit you know birth control you're like oh great I'll just get on that I won't have to have any periods and you don't really realize the importance of actually your cycles and yeah, absolutely listening to your body but also I think we're all a bit kind of in awe of, of doctors a lot of the time and you know yes we look at google but yes we look at the medical professionals and sometimes go well actually there's nothing I don't know anything about this so yeah yeah I'll, I'll do what you tell me 
Exactly. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the medical world is fascinating and thank God for doctors. But in this case, actually, PCOS is an inflammatory condition. It's a metabolic disorder. And actually pumping our bodies with synthetic hormones and drugs is one of the worst things that you can do. And I wish, wish I knew that 10 years ago because mm-hmm. I went through 10 years of, you know, different pills and different drugs. And actually what it does is it suppresses your natural hormones and it acts as almost like a mask over the over the wound, you know, and once you come off of that sometimes your symptoms can come back you know even worse Mm -hmm. and this is also another reason why now infertility is so so high because women are put on birth control they're told to come back where they want to conceive but they don't realize that after quite some time on birth control it can take years for your actual natural cycles and hormones to to get back Mm -hmm. Um, so so yeah you've you're finding other ways through a huge amount of education and research and speaking to people who have also had a diagnosis. Um, We're going to be talking about how you've reversed yours. But I just wondered, we think about how common PCOS is. What do you think the numbers are like? And, you know, what do we know about the region? Yeah, I mean, it's huge actually now. So it was uh, officially diagnosed one in 10. Uh, A couple of months ago, it's one in eight, but they do think it's one in five. Wow. And the reason for that is just still lack of awareness, lack of education, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, I guess, the the fire in my belly is to just constantly try and push this out because actually it is a huge problem. And all women have hormones, you know, and just because someone might or a doctor might say you don't have PCOS but you have a load of the symptoms that still means that there is an underlying problem there you know like we're not meant to get painful periods we're not meant to get acne and all of these nasty symptoms that is a sign that something is wrong in the body and normally it comes down to hormone imbalance Mm -hmm. And, and just because a lot of people have it and it's common doesn't make it normal no, exactly. And we need to stop normalizing that. We need to stop normalizing, you know, that we don't get a period every 28 to 35 days. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be ovulating as a female. That's actually what we were kind of made to, to do on this planet, you mm-hmm. know. And when we're not ovulating, when that's taken away from us, it can affect so many other areas of our health. Can I ask you about risk factors? You know, why might one woman develop PCOS or some of the symptoms you're talking about? Do we know much about demographic or lifestyle? Yeah, it's, it's, it's still really a very complicated area. I mean, I read studies every single day that the exact cause of PCOS, they still say is unknown. They say it can be down to genetics, but a lot of it is diet. It's it's an unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, it is, you know, yes, weight gain is a very common symptom of PCOS, but that's actually to do more with your BMR and your cravings. Mm-hmm. But equally, you know, being severely overweight or not exercising or not supplementing and not sort of following a more of an anti-inflammatory diet, that is also going to sort of exaggerate the symptoms and, and you know, PCS will develop. Georgie, tell us a little bit about your decision to then take away the meds and look for other ways because that's a big decision. Yeah. Um, You know what? I was in a very bad place mentally and, again, birth control can have huge impacts on your mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually working before I started PCOS in the corporate world, loved my job, but um, I was having sort of severe panic attacks, uh, anxiety through the roof. And I just thought enough's enough now, you know, I had really bad gut issues as well from sort of metformin as a drug that they give you for insulin resistance, which please ladies do not take if you're going to do anything supplement with inositol. Um, But again, it just comes with all of these awful other health issues and I just thought that you know enough um and I actually did the classic I went to Bali <laughs> for a couple of months you everyone's big like, eat pray love cliche yeah, you was like oh you went to find yourself I was like no I did go to find myself I just went to like heal myself a bit and you know take yourself out of Dubai can sometimes get a, a little bit chaotic as we know mm-hmm. um and when I was struggling so much with my health I thought let's go to the health 
capital, I guess, in the health island. We're going to be hearing a little bit about some of the supplementation, the diet, lifestyle changes that Georgie underwent and some people in her community are adopting as well in that battle against PCOS. If you've got any questions, any concerns, please don't hesitate to get in touch. We've had a number of you reaching out about the impact of irregular periods, asking about lifestyle factors as well. I'm going to be hearing next from uh, Nuru, who has had that diagnosis and uh, how she is feeling now. This afternoon's with me, Helen Farmer, talking health on the show this afternoon. This content is for informational purposes only and is not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. Joining us live on the line here at Dubai Eye 103.8, we've got Nuru Al-Mazrui, who found out a few years ago that she had PCOS. Nuru, thank you for joining us and sharing your story, what you've been through health-wise and, and how you're doing now. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the symptoms that you had. Can you can you walk us through those? Of course. Good good afternoon, Helen. How are you first? I'm well. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, so my journey with PCOS, um, I found out in 2020, right after lockdown, um, that I had PCOS. I had read the term online, but had no idea what PCOS was. And I thought it was the end of the world for me, basically. Mm. Um, and then I found Georgina. She was actually doing a giveaway on Valentine's Day. Um, 2021 February and that's how I came across her page and I followed her and then she gives a call back and everything and I started working with Georgina in April of 2021 and she's amazing like she's a miracle you know she she works wonders we always tell her that but But Georgina's amazing so tell us about the change that you felt in in your body then what what was well how was it affecting your life initially so I had bloating super bad acne all over my, my face, mood swings. My mood swings were really bad, like super bad that I was scared of myself. Um, but when I started working with Georgina on the first week itself, I realized I had more energy as well, which was the biggest thing. Like waking up in the morning and having energy was something that I've never experienced in the past. So on the first week working with her, the little changes that we were making um, into my diet and into my workout lifestyle really helped um, on the first week itself. So my bloating reduced. I've got no acne at the moment. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Touch wood. Um, so that's completely cleared off. No mood swings. That only happens during the men's period. Uh, but generally on my day to day, I have no mood swings. The bloating's gone off. Um, it's the little changes that she, she helps implement. I want to know coaching. which changes, Nuru. So what, <laughs> tell us a little. Sign up with Christina. This, 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 sounds, this sounds great. Um, what are some of the most notable things that, what, you know, when you tell your friends, I did this, I did that, you're, you feel like have been the most effective? So putting in the steps, right? I mean, you think walking is like just walking, but doing that on a daily basis actually helps improve things. And that's, for me, that's better than, than hitting a cardio at the gym, right? Mm-hmm. So you do your 10K steps a day, um, obviously more if you can, but that itself is a huge change because that helps reduce the weight and helps with, I mean, when you walk itself, it helps mentally, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, and the two things that stick with me when I was coaching with Georgina is it's all about balance. So you can satisfy your cravings. So I remember I'd call her up once and I'd be like, I'm craving for McDonald's fries. She was like, go get it, get a small one, satisfy your craving, and that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't even crave junk food. I don't even crave sugary stuff because everything's at balance. So just cutting out the bad carbs and putting in the good carbs. 
you know, like cauliflower, um, broccoli, quinoa, and all these these little things, the little changes. Um, she's got a Bible online that everyone should definitely read, and I think it's it's really amazing that she's done all the hard work to get to this point, and that she wants to help other people make the difference. Um, oh, Well, she is glowing like a proud mama in the studio now. Nira, it's so wonderful to hear the changes that you've experienced. Um, and as you say, some really achievable um, switches and swaps. Um, please stay well. Stay, stay talking about it. I think it's really important to hear people talking about what they've been through. Because as you said yourself... You thought it was a life sentence, you know, that lack of awareness can be holding so many people back from being uncomfortable and in pain and unhappy. And I'm really thrilled for you that you've taken some power back and feeling feeling great. Nuri, thank you so much for your time. Take care of yourself, OK? Nuri, thank you. Georgina, that's lovely to hear. Oh my God, I make got it, a bit teary. Does that make it all worthwhile, all this hard work you do? Honestly, every time I get like a client messaging me, you know, saying they've either got their cycles back or they've lost weight or like, you know, the, the best one really is when someone's pregnant because that just, I mean, I just bore my eyes out. I'm an absolute soppy mess. I want to talk diet in um, in depth in a few minutes, but just quickly there are some of the things that Nuru was talking about. Why is diet so important for balancing hormones? And I don't just mean that necessarily just relating to PCOS, but whether it is, you know, around PMS, around just general energy levels. Yeah. What's going on? Hormones are your chemical messengers in, in your body, right? And actually, they all work together. They all influence each other. And the, the big one, the big daddy is insulin, okay? 80% of women have insulin resistance. And if we don't treat this and reverse this, this leads to diabetes type 2, which we are now in a global pandemic about. We certainly are in this region as well. Yes, exactly. So it is essential that we notice if we have insulin resistance and we do everything in our power to stop that and control insulin. When we have elevated levels of insulin, this then elevates testosterone and can elevate your cortisol as well. So that then leads to those nasty symptoms and also you know, elevates cortisol with stress. It can hinder weight loss. It can actually stop your periods as well because your body goes into a state of like unsafetiness. So controlling that insulin really is so important. And that's why following a low GI diet, GI stands for glycemic index. And this actually is the score it gives a food that basically how quick it spikes your blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And it's not really, no one really knows about it because it's not on any, any products. It's not really, you know, on anything that you buy. Um, a lot of people don't, again, educate not educated enough in understanding food labels and what they should be looking for. Um, but low GI carbohydrates are things like sweet potato, quinoa, hummus, hummus and carrots. I, I go on about it all the time. Great snack. Swap that out for, you know, your processed biscuits and pastries. Um, I said quinoa, didn't I? You did. Yep. <laughs> quinoa queen. Quinoa queen. Um, all your lentils, all your beans, you know, load up on like dark, dark, um, leafy greens and then also anti-inflammatories as well omega-3s super super important um we should be eating sort of you know salmons and tunas and mackerels three times a week and if not supplementing with omega-3 um now just to be clear i've had a, quite a lot of messages actually about menopause and perimenopause and this is a topic we're absolutely going to be visiting with doctor very very soon because there's still an awful lot of mystery and misinformation about it so i am putting those messages aside right now we're going to be talking about hormone balancing in general so this could be very well helpful to you as well george you were just talking there about diet and some of the things to be incorporating so your lentils your beans those slow release carbohydrates that low gi diet um and i wondered and i don't want to you know 
depress anybody by saying don't eat this. But are there some things that you really advise against if you are trying to manage your PCOS? Yeah. Um, as I say, yeah, balance life, everything in moderation. But with PCOS being, you know, an inflammatory condition, we want to be removing as much inflammation as we possibly can from our diet. Um, so that really is, you know, ultra processed foods, seed oils, which is a quite a new thing and lots of, well, it's not new, it's been around for a 30 odd years, but it's pretty scary actually what they're finding out about about them and how they are really affecting our metabolism and leading to, you know, obesity and um, contributing to, to that. Um, removing inflammation, two things that I would also try to avoid would be gluten and dairy. There's lots and lots of people out there saying, you know, should I do this? Should I not? Because it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite sort of new, but I can personally say, from my experience, it was the best thing I ever did, specifically gluten. You don't have to cut all dairy. Mm -hmm. You just, again, balance. Cheese is fine, girls. Don't worry. <laughs> Still have your pizza now and again. Um, but I would just recommend anyone to try going gluten-free for 30 days. Everyone is different. Fine. But there is actually no nutritional value in gluten whatsoever. It only actually does harm to the body. It can add to leaky gut. It can add to bloating. It can add to mental clarity and obviously chronic inflammation as well. So give it a go and see, you know, if your symptoms do improve because I 99% of my clients have seen improvement. What about supplementation? I'm a big believer. I'm basically rattling all the time. And a lot of what I take is for hormone balancing. What role do supplements take? And is there anything that you would stand by and say, if you have got PCOS, this could be really helpful? No, for sure. Supplements are actually huge, but I can also stress that please don't go out down to Holland and Barrett and spend all of your money if you're not actually sure, you know, what you exactly need. they're not cheap. No, they're not. And uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's where I've wasted a lot of money, you know, in the past. What I will say is there's no diet pill or fat pill out there, girls, because if there was, you know, we wouldn't be in a, an obesity pandemic. So mm -hmm. don't waste your, your money on that. But what you should be getting, the number one supplement I would say is, is in We've had a question in the saying, you mentioned Nocetol. Can you talk about it in detail to control insulin resistant and PCIs? And what other supplements can we use? That's from uh, Samarina. Yeah. So inositol, they, it's been sort of the most researched supplement um, regarding what it what it does. And it's it basically does the same as metformin, which is the actual drug that they prescribe you, but without any of the side effects. You know, it's it doesn't it's organic. It's a supplement, so it's not going to harm you. But it basically re uh, reduced improves your insulin sensitivity. It can help bring your your uh, cycles back. Um, specifically with that, every client that I have put it on who have had like either very regular periods or very long cycles, we have noticed such a difference where it is just bringing the cycles back to being regular and sort of reducing those those longer cycles. Um, it also can help with energy levels massively. That's something I haven't really touched on, but women with PCOS can really suffer with fatigue, um, especially if they have an underactive thyroid as well, which is a big part there. So it can definitely help with that. Cravings massively. We all suffer with sugar cravings, especially if you've got insulin resistance. Um, so so, I mean, I, I take an insert every morning um, and I, I always notice, you know, I kind of jump on and off it. I'm not going to lie just because I'm... Do you know what? I, I actually bought some supplements yesterday and I was like, 
oh, now I have to take them. <laughs> so it's a bit like when you buy a book, you're like, I wish this could just be kind of downloaded into my brain. But like a supplement, I'm like, is it enough just to have up my bedside table? No, Helen, you actually have to take it. Yeah. So what else, what else is on your That's also just I building hope? habits, right? Totally. Like all of this is is just um, making it a bit easier for yourself. Like have them all in a drawer, you know, above your, your kettle. So you're going to have them every single day when you have your, your morning drink or whatever it is. But stick some stickers all over your mirrors. Tell your partner to like make sure you're taking it. Just do everything you can to help yourself. So what else is on your iHerb shopping list? Um, definitely magnesium. Yes. Magnesium, I think, should actually be for all humans, to be honest. 80% of us are deficient. Uh, it really helps with sleep. Sleep is a massive one. Again, a lot of women say they're sort of wired but tired. It takes them ages to get to sleep, but they're waking up, you know, feeling even more exhausted, even though they've had eight hours. So magnesium is great also for anxiety. Um, zinc for hair loss. Can't say it enough. Hair loss is a huge one for PCOS. Um, I actually went through through a bit of a personal one last year um, where I went through a bit of an anxious state and I my hair was, was falling She's out quite friend. badly. Um, and actually, I've been supplementing zinc now for sort of five, six months. My hair couldn't be thicker and better. Um, but the, the key with all of these is is consistency and making sure you take them every day it's not going to work if you have them sporadically and have you know one on a Tuesday and then after a weekend on a Sunday thinking it's going to make you feel better it's not um Georgie's with us this afternoon um we did touch on this earlier but for anyone that's just tuned in message here anonymous message which as I always say is absolutely a-okay um how do you get diagnosed with PCOS because we were talking there about irregular periods you were talking about you know hair acne fatigue um a lot of these things can be confused with you know puberty perimenopause mm-hmm. you know also all sorts of different issues so what do you tend to rec- kind of recommend when it comes to getting a diagnosis what i would first say is that all women have hormones and men but all women have hormones and a lot of these symptoms if you have these symptoms ladies that will show that you probably do have a hormone imbalance and actually a lot of what the diet and the lifestyle changes that i do for my clients with P- with pcos it, it, it's the same for you You know, we have to look after our body and what we eat directly influences our hormones. But specifically for PCOS, you need two out of the following three. So you need to have irregular periods or none at all. You need to have a blood test where it will basically show high androgen levels, which is your male sex hormone, which is your testosterone. And then you need to have an ultrasound where you will see on your ovaries, there will be little black dots basically coating the ovary. And this is, they they call it cyst. It's not actually a cyst. Please don't confuse. It's all in the name and it's very stupid. I don't know why. It should be called polyfollicular syndrome really because it's basically a baby follicle that hasn't been released um an ovarian cyst can be quite dangerous and painful so yeah please don't confuse the two so when you talk about you reversing your condition when you have, have those follicles gone now yeah you? which is it's still pretty wild i know so wow. this was probably three years ago um and yeah all my, my i basically don't have it left in my body my my hormone levels are completely back to normal uh, my cycles and also they did the ultrasound and literally those follicles have disappeared which wow. is pretty nuts i remember lying there being like what on earth is going on where have they gone um a question here um no name saying how does it affect fertility and those people trying to conceive which we haven't touched on in term, we did touch on it when it comes to birth control but mm. not obviously anyone who's trying to manage that condition through other means for sure so the biggest thing is obviously ovulation 
we we cannot get pregnant unless we are ovulating. And if you have irregular periods, you probably aren't ovulating or it's incredibly difficult to know when you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why having, you know, a regular menstrual cycle is absolutely essential to get pregnant. And even if you do have a regular cycle, ladies, and you have other symptoms, you might not actually be ovulating. Because if your cortisol is really high, that's again, puts your body into sort of a stress environment, it will stop you ovulating because it doesn't want you to have a baby. But what I will say is there are two physical signs that you can look out for. Um, it, you know, you only ovulate maximum three days of your cycles. So normally it's day 14 to 16, but give it two days either side just in case. We don't want anyone having any, you know. Additions. Additions, yeah. And, yeah you might not have planned for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, it, take, take your um, body temperature during those times because your your base temperature will actually r- rise by at least one degree um, and then also you would would be looking for sort of an egg white discharge okay um, I want to come to one question which is signed off frustrated this is Brenda saying my periods are mostly regular but can sometimes throw me a curveball to keep me on my toes Brenda says I'm overweight can't lose weight suffer from acne headaches mood swings all symptoms point to normal PCOS but according to the doctor it's just me being overweight and I'm not trying hard enough what advice would you give to Brenda she's written so frustrated in capitals I know bless you look I hear you I can relate and unfortunately there are lots of doctors who are just so uneducated in it and they they don't have the empathy, they don't have the compassion because they've not been through it themselves. Um, by the sounds of that, from your symptoms, you know, you, I definitely think you have hormone imbalances just because you haven't necessarily got the irregular periods doesn't mean that something obviously isn't going isn't going wrong there. So I'd love to help you. It is down to diet and lifestyle. You can make little changes that will control those hormones and rebalance them all. Um, and then hopefully those nasty symptoms will will go away. Finally, we've had a number of people saying, um, who, who, is, who is Georgie? How can I get an appointment with Georgie? So I'm going to hand over to you and say, if people are listening to this and they go, okay, that's some red flags and perhaps it's not full-blown PCOS, but perhaps I want to look at hormone balancing or perhaps I'm, I want to come off the meds, but I want to do it in a safe way with my doctor and someone else who's really well informed. Yeah. How do you work with people? And can you kind of unpack that a little bit for us? For sure. So yeah, as Helen just said, and I really want to stress this, just because you haven't been diagnosed PCOS does not mean I can't help you does not mean you still can't make little changes you know if you're suffering with these symptoms it all rolls into one it really does um, but I my business called it PCOS Party because I like to show you that you can still have fun in life you know and a condition doesn't define you especially in Dubai when we have this sort of party brunch lifestyle um, but my Instagram is it's a PCOS party you can find me on there I'm very active that is my main platform um, please feel free to DM me any questions you have um check the link in my bio I have online courses which you can um, go ahead and sort of get um, start yourself they're self-paced or I do have one-to-one coaching um, and group coaching that I sort of launch depending on how chaotic my life is and when I can sort of fit it in well Um, I know we heard from Nira earlier just about how life-changing the awareness has been but also some of the changes that you've implemented so that must make it all worthwhile Oh, it really does. Honestly, as you said, I've, t- I've turned a pain into a passion, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it is my purpose. It's, it gets me out of bed every day. And, you know, even I, I still have my struggles, of course, like anyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I jump on calls with my clients and I get 
this, you know, them feeling better or they've lost their weight or they they finally got into a bikini when they have felt so unconfident for so many years. You know, it, I'm genuinely an emotional wreck. <laughs> so, I want to squeeze in one last question. We've only got 30 seconds left, but saying, is there mild PCOS? Is there a gradation? That's a really interesting point. Yes, I would say so. Yes, there is. Because it, depending how sort of high your insulin and your testosterone is can affect how bad your symptoms which are. You can, which you can measure and, and track yes. as well. And um, if you want details of Georgie, get in touch. You can just send me a message saying PCOS. I will send you the link to her Instagram. She's got links there for working with her. And as I said, fantastic resource for all sorts of information too. Great to have you with us looking so happy and healthy and helpful as well. <laughs> Thank um, you. Go forth, raise more awareness. I will. And, uh, keep and keep, keep partying. This content is for informational purposes only and does not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. talking travel this hour some ideas some inspirations near and far talking valentine's day trends and more joining us live in the studio is Sonata travels leisure manager matt flemix is with us how are you sir I'm good, thanks, Helen. How are you doing? I'm good. Have you been anywhere since we last spoke? Any staycations, daycations? Uh, no, nothing since. <laughs> yeah, nothing since the quick dash back over festive, which I think you had too. Yeah, so, that's um, right. I've just about warmed up. Yeah, just about. <laughs> but I have just booked a holiday. I okay. feel like I haven't. No- I don't normally have anything to report to you on the travel front, but that the, the holiday has been approved. Tell me more. Going to Zanzibar. Ah, fantastic! Having first, first time. First time. First time. I'm going with. I'm so. <laughs> I'm just taking the girls. My husband's doing his own trip. A month later, uh, on his own, so, solo to Zanzibar as well. No, nope. can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to Norway for my husband's fortieth. He has booked himself a five-day husky sledding trip. So he flies into Oslo. He gets another plane up to a place called Alta, which is Arctic Circle, and then he's going to. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a couple and apparently she looks after the dogs, raises the dogs and the husband is the cook. So they've got a bakery, they've got a pizzeria and on those five days they'll be going to different lodges. Um, he'll have his own pack of dogs that he's in charge of looking after and you wow. know, just you know being with during that time. Sounds so, amazing. So just him or with, just him. with some friends? I think, no, he's going on his own. I think they cap it at eight people um, per trip. So that was his present to himself for his 40th and I'm not invited <laughs> so i'm taking the girls to zanzibar with they're in the group called pirates which is like a kind of surf yeah. and rescue water sports thing so we're going as a big group there and it's been on my list for a while and i'm really really excited so. fantastic i've heard of sort of uh husky dogs as an excursion not as a sort of five day one so that I should be interesting know. well he's uh, <laughs> i think the photos look absolutely amazing do you know what while you're here i'll tell you what it's called because i know it's gonna i'm gonna get messages it is called can I find it? No, I can't find it. I'll find it when we have a little break um, because it looks like such an interesting place. So if anyone is looking for this, just send me the word husky and I'll, I'll send you the link for this. Uh, what sounds like an amazing couple? What a life. And apparently there's brilliant fishing. So they've got, you know, really fresh salmon up there. So Ice fishing, all that sort of Northern thing. Yeah, lights, sounds amazing. All of that. Um, let's talk trends, actually. Where are, where are other people going? What have you noticed in terms of booking patterns so far? We've had a good mix of destinations, actually. There's quite a lot of nearby stuff. So the usual staycations, um, Saudi's really going from strength to strength at the moment and, and Qatar as well. 
Um, winter, winter sort of snow things as well. So France has been doing pretty well with with a couple of uh, of trips, despite the fact that some of the lower areas haven't had great Any years snow. for snow. Yeah, I had a friend go. <laughs> we're going skiing. Uh, we're going hiking. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, the higher the higher you go, the better at the moment, definitely. Um, and, and then things like the Maldives and Thailand and, and the perennial favourites as well are still still tracking really well. And I don't think that uh, Valentine's Day is going to change that at all as well. Are you a, are you a romantic type? Do you do a, would you do a... Many years ago, I think, maybe. <laughs> Family <laughs> um, life gets in the way, doesn't it? It tends to, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I am travelling for Valentine's Day this year, but not by design. It's, that happens to be half-term week as well. That's um, right, actually. So, That's right. So where are you yeah. going? So we think we're heading to Vienna. Um, my daughter's got a crazy idea that she wants to go somewhere cold, despite how amazing <laughs> the weather is over here at the moment <laughs> and, and like... amazing the weather is in Sri Lanka and Maldives, etc. Um, instead, she wants us to head to cold uh, Europe. And I think it's maybe because she wants us to go shopping and buy some nice coats and things like that sounds but. brilliant I like, I like the way she thinks so yeah. Vienna for you okay let us know what your plans we don't, we're not terribly romantic around Valentine's Day The this, again the only trip we've taken around that time was pre-kids and we went to Istanbul and it was freezing I massively underestimated my husband was wearing like a, an anorak from H&M and was not prepared at all but it was a brilliant brilliant city break loved it absolutely loved it. the food was phenomenal we did you know river cruise on the Bosphorus did shopping we bought layers yeah <laughs> I've, I've done the same I've turned up in Istanbul from here not thinking I'd need a coat and um, yeah paid the price for that <sighs> Valentine's Day some breaks from the UAE now Maldives I think for a long 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 time has been this honeymoon destination picture perfect and we've seen I think a really welcome shift in it becoming more family friendly but there's no getting away it is one of the most romantic places on the planet Valentine's Day it's, it's an obvious one where are we going yeah Maldives is ideal for that and I guess it's uh, Valentine's Day is a strange one this year because it is midweek which usually would mean fantastic a few days away mm-hmm. but it's falling during a lot of half terms as well so you do need to balance that out a little bit as well when planning that um, but Maldives is still that archetypal sort of um, private island retreat uh, beautiful beaches um, lots and lots of dining options but also a few spots where you can sort of lose yourselves as well and go for walks around the islands um, you know sort of private picnics and things like that if you're on an occasion so it is perfect for that um, and there are so many you know it's, it's difficult to find a bad resort in the Maldives mm-hmm. so um, we can troll through so many different ones and, and get you somewhere that you're definitely going to going to enjoy and have a, have a great romantic trip no matter what. I'm, I don't want to ask you to narrow it down but <laughs> I do want you to narrow it down, especially if there's a good deal to be had, Matt. Where where have you got as your kind of some of your top picks for the Maldives? Well, we've got we've got um, a great uh, great sort of uh, package going at the moment with Sun Siam Irufushi. So Sun Siam, I've got a, a nice range of, of properties in in the Maldives, and um, they tend to be focused on different things. So one might be family, and one might be romance and couples and things like that. Um, so Irufushi ticks the boxes really nicely. It's um, you know it, it is a private island. It's got a number of dining options. There's sort of 14 bars and restaurants, so you can do a few um, a few days there and, and dine somewhere different every time. But also, it just doesn't feel that big. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there's some seclusion. There's some luxury. Um, lots of experiences on offer as well. So um, you, you can you can have a romantic time, but also be quite active while you're there as well. I want to talk money because <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not. Uh, it's not the cheapest of destinations in Maldives for good reason. When we think about the quality of the accommodation on offer, obviously the food as well, activities. Mm. Are there any deals to be had? Yeah, there are. And also you bear in mind that it's real peak season in the Maldives at the moment. True, the weather true, is, true, you true. know, weather's changing a bit, I guess, across the world. But it's, it is the best time of the year to travel in terms of, of climate and everything as well. So um, we've got a 15% saving on this offer, though. Um, and you can do three nights at the Sun Siam Irufushi, including breakfast, including your seaplanes, which is an experience in itself as well. Um, various added benefits for honey 
honeymooners or anniversaries. So if you want to sort of <laughs> falsify your wedding certificate <laughs> or something like that, then I wasn't uh, going to say that. I was like, you know, you can have an anniversary for your first date or your first kiss. It, you know, definitely exactly. stick, stick be, that on the creative. Are You Celebrating box <laughs> too, right? And they don't like to specify what these specials are. They like it to be a nice romantic surprise for you when you get into the room. Um, but we can have all that from um, about 9,000 dirhams per person, just over actually. Um, and that's everything all in there. So you'll, you'll enjoy that one. Um, what a message here from Naj saying um, family friendly for teenage activities in the Maldives. Now, this is kind of your age group, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, some of them have done fantastic, fantastic things when it comes to keeping everybody busy, whether that is, you know, spa, even you know, golf, all, all sorts of different mm-hmm. things. Are there any resorts that come to mind with that kind of older kid age group in mind for Naj? Yeah, there's, there's a huge range, actually. I mean, a lot of them do have teens clubs as well. And, and it depends really on budget. You can go sort of right towards the top of the price scale with one and only Rithi Ra, which is you know, one of the largest, larger islands as well and perfect for, for kids of all ages. Um, a little bit lower down, but still really high luxury is some of the Anantara properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Digu, for instance, which um, has a really sort of generous uh, room sharing uh, basis as well. That's where you can trip up with the Maldives if they force you to take an extra room sometimes and <laughs> it doubles doubles the bill. Um, we also work with Club Med, which is, which is great for families as well. We so. went to Club Med mm-hmm. two years ago mm-hmm. and it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, my kids are a bit younger than yours, mm-hmm. Naj, but um, there were older um, ones knocking around and they were having the time of their lives. We've also done the Hard Rock. That was fantastic. Yep. Fantastic mm-hmm. for those slightly older kids because that resort itself has got Sai Lagoon, it's got Hard Rock, and you know you've got and then you've got this huge dining option as well. So enough space to to spread out and then come back together. Helen, I think you know more about it than <laughs> I do. So thank you for those. You're very welcome indeed. Um, what about staying in the sun? Seychelles, another very romantic destination that's easy mm. to get to from the UAE. It's also a bit of a hotspot for going to get married at. Yeah. Um, so any anything there that you feel like sets Seychelles apart? I've never been. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favourites, actually. It's really different to the Maldives. Certainly if you go to the Granite Islands, there's, there's two sets of islands there. There's the Coral Islands, which are quite flat like the Maldives ones are. Or the Granite Islands are the ones you've, you'll probably have seen on TV. They used to film the bounty adverts there and really? Miss World was held there and all that sort of thing because they were seen as the sort of archetypal picture postcard Tropical beaches. paradise. Exactly that. Silky silky white sand, um, beautiful sort of turquoise waters and these big granite boulders um, that are sort of perched all over the beach that, that make it very photogenic and sort of swaying palm trees in the background. Um, so those islands, even even the larger ones, Mahe and Pralin, which is where you see a lot of the towns, um, they're granite islands and they're still absolutely beautiful as well. What about best time to visit? February, ticking a few boxes on the weather front? Yeah, it is. Seychelles is quite interesting because um, they it can rain any time of the year. It's very tropical, so you can go in the, the wet season and it, and it will be dry all week or you can go in the, the, the dry season and it will rain a little bit. It's also, you've got to pick which side of, of which island you're going on as well. Certain um, certain coasts have, say, have um, seaweed issues at, at certain times of the year and others don't um so it really is it's it's quite wild and tropical still but this is this is a really good time to go okay and where are you sending us so there's, there's a there's fantastic Hilton resort there, the, the Hilton North Home, um, which is on the main island of Mahe. Um, and it's um, you can stay in a sort of private villa there as well. Um, lots and lots to do as well. Um, you can go out hiking because it's so sort of green and... and um, oh, bless. Yeah, there's, there's, there's sort of forest and there's national park and things like that. Um, so you can go out hiking, you can go out on boats, you can dive as well. Um, but also you can go back to your sort of private pool villa and chill out for the rest of the day as well. And the Hilton is great for those have you got a deal basically i don't let you in the studio unless you've got a deal for me so we are talking the hilton it's five star we're going to 
include flights, obviously. We can't just offer accommodation. What What's the bottom line, Matt? Yeah, you can be in a sunset villa as well, which is exactly what it says. You know, you can have these amazing romantic sunsets while, um, while, while having a, a refreshment and, and enjoying that as a couple. Um, so with breakfast included and the flights, we've got a 15% offer on that as well. Um, and that's coming in a bit less than the Maldives. That's 6675 per person. Um, and once again, if it's if it's a honeymoon, if it's an anniversary... Tell them. Let them know. You might, let you, us know. You might get a towel shaped like a monkey on your bed, <laughs> and who doesn't want that on a holiday? Christina's saying, hi both. Um, would love some great city break ideas for families within a three- or four-hour flight. Where comes to mind? You're off to Vienna yourself. Any other suggestions? Yeah, I think if we extend it to four hours, that gives us a bit more chance. Yeah, um, that brings in, for me, Sri Lanka. And um, I love Gaul, which a lot of people, I guess, might have visited already. And, and it is a city, but it's the very... Uh, opposite to high rise it's uh, beautiful, yeah amazing amazing character uh, amazing history um they worked on the roads there in sri lanka a few years ago so it's now only a couple of hours drive from colombo rather than the sort of four hour uh, you know hike that it used it to be did really feel like a bit of a slog didn't it exactly that yeah so it's now really easy to get to you know there's quite a few flights a day whether it's emirates fly dubai etc so really easy to get to um in goal as well i think if you were going as a couple there's so many lovely little boutique hotels that, that i'd say go to those mm-hmm. um, but if you're taking the kids then um, there's sort of larger resorts around as well because you want to spend some of your time wandering the sort of cobbled streets wandering the walls of the fort going with art, artisan shops things I, like that I was just about to say I just wanted to shop yeah I went the, I mean they obviously had a lot of damage done to Gaul mm-hmm. um, a number of years ago through the weather and there was I remember going to this antique shop and you could see where the water had risen up the walls mm. and they were selling the most beautiful beautiful furniture and it was one of the things going how could I get this back how how you could do you could do some some serious damage to the credit card on some of that gorgeous furniture so where to stay and any deals to be had matt yeah you can you can stay as i I said i think if you're if you're out sort of whale watching exploring old towns um surfing stuff like that during the day then you might want a resort you know with with a pool and and a few dining options to go back to so they've got a radisson blue there um which is really really good for families and for younger kids as well um so with flights with the transfers um with breakfast then you can get that for just under 4,000 dirhams per person for three nights. Um, and the kids are quite a bit less than that sharing as well. Hope that helps, Christina. Hope that helps. Let's go to Barcelona. We've been talking some Valentine's Day deals. And as you're saying, it's falling over half term, midweek. Um, Barcelona, one of my favourite cities. Yes, for the architecture, mostly for the food to be honest. <laughs> mm. Yeah, both of those things. Um, and for me, I love it as well. It's one of my favourites. The one thing there that might um, detract from a romantic break is the, the presence of the football there as well, the, oh, the Camp Nou and all, lost all, me. That, <laughs> all that sort lost of thing is, is well worth a visit. Um, but as you mentioned, the Gaudi architecture is incredible. The food is is brilliant, the Catalan food. Um, they've got the Gothic Quarter there, Las Ramblas. They've got you know the beach, which might not be time for swimming at this time of year, but still very pretty to look at. And a lot of new hotels have, have come out there over the last few years as well that have um, really enhanced the staying options there. So where where would you recommend? And where, as I said, we've got a great deal there as well, Matt. Yeah, so there's, um, there's a really sort of modern, uh, funky property called the One Barcelona, um, which is really central. It's about 10 to 15 minutes walk from Las Ramblas. Um, and it's on one of the main streets there that looks right across at one of the um, most famous um, Gaudi pieces, which is Casa Mia. Um, so they've got a rooftop um, sort of restaurant and bar there as well. So you can sort of overlook these sort of buildings from, um, from your rooftop terrace. Um, so all, all that with, um, you can stay in a cozy room. This, this is a, this is a couple's trip, not a, not a, a family's one. If you're staying there, um, you can get a cozy room with breakfast, another 15% discount through Donata travel. 
and your flights and that's uh, 4280 per person for a three night stay so really well worth it when you're traveling that far you've got some money left for some fantastic food okay um and then Rebecca's going where can we find this this is all on donatatravel.com um let's let's talk local because it is over half term um might not be able to get away so any staycations that you'd recommend for valentine's day yeah there's there's lots and a like to start really close to home uh, for those that are in Dubai um, to get you a real bargain and it's it's perhaps not the sort of area of town you'd think of for a romantic break but it's uh, it's in the soft hotel the obelisk uh, down in the, hey, the Wafi area talking about food that hotel I mean you've got chef Russell and Piazza there who's actually going to be at Taste of Dubai heading up as executive chef and the food offering across so many of their restaurants whether it is you know roast dinner Japanese it's phenomenal for mm. food yeah, fantastic. That's that's what I was going to emphasise as well. You know, we've got the French brasserie there, um, Far Eastern food as well, uh, lovely sort of pool and lounge area as well, mm. and the views as well with with the design of that building. Um, then the views from the rooms are are incredible as well, and you can wander over to Wafi if you want to do some some shopping. Um, also, Wafi, I haven't been there yet. They've got this new kind of immersive light experience i think it's called something like aya a-y-a and i keep it's a bit of an instagram gem i keep on seeing people posting about it and it looks absolutely stunning so i'm gonna try and go but yeah if you fancy having a little look that could be a good one to incorporate into your foodie trip and walk off some calories as you have the immersive walking tour so any deals to be had yeah, so to stay at, at that in a, in a deluxe room with breakfast uh, and the savings on the stay, it's less than 400 germs per person for, for a couple, 395 per person. Um, and you'll have a really nice night of entertainment, dining and views. So very romantic. One of the newest hotels, I would say on the block, on the palm, is the new Marriott Resort. Have you had the chance to go yet? What are you hearing about it? I haven't haven't been yet. Brand I haven't been new. Yeah, a lot of our team have though as well. So we do regular, they call them site inspections in within Dubai. So uh, you go around with a little notepad and the, a the tiny team, pencil the, the like mini golf. <laughs> yeah, they make, they make the notes and, um, you know, to answer questions firsthand then they've experienced it. Um, mm. Of course, it's right next to various other hotels and, and the sort of Palm West Beach entertainment options as well. Um, it looks like a fantastic resort. It's the first Marriott resort in Dubai. There's, there's Marriott hotels, but this is the first resort. Um, and I think it would be for a slightly livelier Valentine's break um, mm. as well, because there is so much to do in that area. Um, numerous restaurants and, and dining areas and, and bars and things like that. So Now, with here's a question. Um, there are a couple of obvious exceptions when it comes to price on newly opened hotels, but does that tend to be a good time to get a good price? Yeah, it's really good. And, and often on the Palm as well, and with that style of resorts, you do get your half board included. Um, and that oh, is the case good. for this one as well. So um, you can get a night in a deluxe queen room uh, with a complimentary upgrade to half board at the moment. Um, and that's 680 per person for a night. We've got time for one more. What have you got for us? Okay, well, there's... <laughs> the rustling of papers. Okay, right, we've got one more. We've got to find the best possible one. Go this on. Is, well, now, this is actually a really interesting one because, again, it's a slightly different area of town. So instead of sort of going for all the palm or all right on the beach, um, we've got one in JVC, um, which is the five... Uh, the five. Is this there. the one that's got lots of little private pools and it's got a bit of a party it, feel to it's, it it's, as well? It's, it's very, very funky. It's very, uh, it's very what you'd expect from five, I guess, from what they've done on the palm as well. And then they've taken this to, to a more suburban area, more residential. And, and I, think, I think it's slightly less party but still if you want to have a stylish brunch there for instance then they're, they're more than happy to accommodate that um, but they've, they've got some great um, great sort of room options as well where you get private jacuzzi and things like that mm, and romantical and again it's the views back to um, back to the city as well that are something they're really playing on as well 
Um, really good value there as well. You can get that for less than 700 per person, 695, including breakfast. And it's a master suite with jacuzzi. So um, that extra romance with that, with that room type. Matt, thank you so much for coming in. When are you off to Vienna? How many you're on the countdown? A couple of weeks? Yeah, it would actually be flying on, on Valentine's Day, actually. So unless we can persuade my daughter that's not the best choice for this time of year, <laughs> then uh, we'll, we'll be heading off on Valentine's Day. Get your thermals on. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Uh, for anyone that does want to find out more about everything we've been talking about today, Barcelona, Dubai, Seychelles, what's the best way of getting in touch with you and the team? Um, 800 Donata, give us a call, Dead send easy. us a WhatsApp um, or just look at donatatravel.com. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate it. Um, we are talking travel every single week and uh, Donata Travel on hand with those bargains. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. Joining us in the studio is Dr. Leanne Cameron from the British Veterinary Hospital. Dr. Leanne, I was in your office yesterday with my Paulie Pooch and now you're in my you're in my office. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your boy? He's all right. He's got a bit of a gunky eye, but he was a good little patient yesterday, wasn't he? Was he was very he was one of my he's one of my best. Very, he sat nicely on the table and everything. He was totally he? chilled. I know. Even even with the smell of the puppies on me. Yeah, oh my then. goodness. Oh my goodness. So I think we should be sending a couple your way, shouldn't we, of the puppies? (laughs) Good grief. So these puppies have come into the vets, found by the side of the road with their mum. And it's it's a miracle that I didn't go home with that little girl. She is gorgeous. And did you have, have you had the litter of the puppies from upstairs? Yeah. So um, these were uh, desert dogs that were on the side of one of the the main road from Dubai to Sharjah. and they have been rescued off the side of the road. That the litter of pups that you saw were around oh. about two weeks old. Um, so just starting to open their eyes and start to move. So obviously the rescuer said that mummy was very smart with the cars, but obviously very quickly that would have been a problem. So mm-hmm. brought them to us for us to obviously um, look over, check everything's healthy. And then we've just done our best to try and socialise them and get them all health checked, they're vaccinated. Feisty. They are. They're, they lo- there's seven of them. So they're, they're sort of learning from each other and a lot of things. But they've actually had their second vaccine today. So we're hoping... Over the next week, we can send them out to fosters. And, oh, well, um, anybody else you. that might like. Don't look th- at me. <laughs> I've told you, we've got a one in, one out policy on dogs in our house. So thank you for your think. But I might come along for a little cuddle. Yeah, anytime. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one thing that, that struck me yesterday when I, when I brought Jarvis or Cocker Spaniel in um, is as soon as you came through the door at the vets, it's like, I'll pop on the scales and just see what he's weighing. And I find it quite interesting just to you know see how he's getting on. But it did make me think about podgy pets because there's been a study out of the UK actually talking about the Brits have become a nation of overweight pet owners more than one in three admitting their dog is overweight so according to research 28% of owners admit to feeding their pooch leftovers such as chicken chips and even pizza one in five regularly feed their pet from the table um, and half never bother to measure the amount of food they give them Nearly a quarter of all owners say they spoil their animals. I'm saying this as I'm kind of slowly sliding down in my chair. <laughs> Jarvis is okay at the minute. He, he is. okay. I gave he... him a good body check over yesterday. Well, He's that's fine. what I wanted to ask you. So do you think, you know, how do you think UA is doing on podgy pets? Uh, yeah, it's like it's it's one of the biggest emerging diseases that continues to happen. Um, obesity, in the same way as it's increasing in in the human population, and it's something that um, is very much a disease now. Um, and it's something that we've had to 
adapt um, to how quickly it's evolved because obviously you've got all the secondary health problems Such that happen. Um, so obviously the main thing is you increase weight um, on joints that aren't supposed to have as much weight and you get uh, developing of arthritis a lot earlier. So and then you, you couple that in, in the UAE with obviously summer times where we're limited to the amount of movement that we can do um, and very quickly that can escalate very quickly. Um, and cats, um, overweight cats, um, uh, more more and more start to develop similar to a, a type 2 di- diabetes, like an insulin resistance really? like what humans about, would get. What about things like heart disease? Again, of course, heart disease is accelerated too. A lot of our cats and dogs w- genetically can be more pro to heart disease um, and it has been proven that the more overweight the patient is the quicker that that becomes a clinical problem so it's certainly something that because of that as a practice and majority of vets will do that as soon as you come in um, to the practice we you know before you come into my room I know what the weight is before um, you know yesterday when Jarvis came in I looked at what he was last week you last did, time and I think he only went up. To, he only went up two hundred grams, so okay, that was that's, okay. That's it's just a yeah. You can poo that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he might have just had a full bladder and needed his morning poo. So it's yeah, and a lot of it is. Um, and, and a lot of it with that, that's one of the first conversations I usually have, especially if it's significantly increased, because a lot of the times when you're looking at your animals every day, well, that's you just don't notice. You, is that a bit of an awkward conversation sometimes? No, to, to be honest, I know that, um, of course, if you've got a very overweight person in front of you and you're talking about their overweight pet, but to be honest, it's in the majority of cases, it's one of those things that I try not to like we all know I try not to push too much that we all know if we eat less calories and exercise more then you know we should lose weight but at the same time there's lots of other things that could Mm -hmm. be involved in it we've got you know weight and our metabolism essentially the main um, driver of why we put on weight or don't and we all know that we have those friends that can eat anything and everything it's the same in in dogs and often the more muscle mass on a dog then muscle drives your metabolism so the idea is is that if we can try to promote kind of build up of muscle and also you get these little dogs coming in that they're all fluff and the owners say you know people tell me all the time that they are overweight and I just don't know and you know it's very much a until I get my hands on an animal to feel and you can do it at home as well and it's something that you know I highly recommend a a consultation for for me to show you how to do it properly but feeling over their their ribs you shouldn't be able to to um, if you cannot palpate those ribs you shouldn't be able to feel them um, you know straight away but you should with very light palpation if you're not feeling them and um, then that's whenever fat's laid down and mm. over the hips as well so when oh, you get chunky hips so then that's a familiar <laughs> tale um leanne are there any dog breeds in particular that are prone to obesity yeah so um labradors are the ones that all the studies are done on um so there's actually purina did a study um a while ago about it was called the the lifespan um study and basically it was on 50 labradors over a Uh, 14-year periods and basically from puppy to to death essentially monitoring that and basically fed half of them for a lean mass which is essentially 25% less than their recommended amount Mm -hmm. and kind of normal feeding that you would feed in the back of the packet type of thing and in that study it actually proved that they lived 
almost two years longer in the lean body mass than in the overweight. Wow. So that is the significance in it. Um, and that was a peer-reviewed study, so it certainly you know stands in ground. But That's... to think that you could have another two years with your animal just by... And it, it's that whole thing, isn't it? Killing our animals with kindness it is you know I do have to be and often it's one of those things that I find I have to get the whole family into the consult room because mum you know if I started saying to you you would say well actually it's my husband's fault he gives them x y and z or you're giving a little treat but you're also not taking into into consideration that there might be the odd bit off the kid's plate and there might be it it, it all it all adds up it all adds up for sure Um, but there's certain things and another really good thing which listeners can try at home was something that I learned recently at an obesity talk um, of um, a specialist that came over from the UK and we get cats as well are actually over 60% of cats are overweight more than dogs obviously because they live much more sedentary lifestyles Mm -hmm. and one of the things is is that um, if you have a cat and like Hendrix, my cat squeals at me all the time for foods. Um, and they do at that age, they often just, and people just feed them because they're Arabian Mao type things. They're very talkative. And often if you feed them, they're, they they feel better and don't annoy you. So, um, But actually, um, there is feeding zucchini or courgette. So I was blown away by this until I saw videos of it and fed it to my own cat. But um, introducing zucchini into their foods, um, they absolutely love it. So it's got fibre, water content, has potassium and important electrolytes, and it just fills them up and it's very, very good food for them. So steam some zucchini or courgette or whatever. Depending on your passport. (laughs) Depending on their passport, what you call it. Give it a go and let us know how you get on. How interesting. They're not afraid of it like they are with cucumbers, though. <laughs> well, chop it. Don't give them a full one. <laughs> Dr. Leanne Cameron with us this afternoon. Top tip there for if you've got any other hungry, howling cats. <laughs> to the text line, Leanne. Marianne's been in touch saying, we rescued a cat three months ago from Jabalali Village. We've called him the bear. I'm not too familiar with cats, but he's had funky eyes recently, mucus, etc. When I took him to the vet, got antibiotics. When I give him the tablet, not easy. He started really really frothing at the mouth. Is this something I should be worried about or is this quote-unquote cat behaviour? Can't seem to hide the tablet in butter like you can do with dogs. Thanks as ever for your help. Yeah, and the cats are a hard one, um, certainly, to hide hide tablets in. And the problem often is is that um, us, us professionals, I have all this the scrapes and scars from many years of tableting cats but um, not to big myself up up, but I make it look easy and consult and a lot of the times that is because um, you're pushing the tablet to the very back of their mouth and they don't taste it Um, unfortunately a lot of medicinal um, some medications do have a nice kind of beefy flavour or something Mm, like that which is fine but the majority of them in the same way as the medications we take have that very medicinal um, flavour and it causes them to hypersalivate so um, even though you're probably trying to put it in um, his mouth it's very much he's tasting it and then that's provoking this hypersalivation type reaction Um, with the gunky eye side of things it can be quite common um, especially in street cats to have cat flu which is often a viral thing so actually usually after about five days of antibiotics if it's not improving it's probably not going to improve so Mm. I think um, if the gunky eyes are still present we probably need to look at being more topical so actually using topical eye meds um, which is much easier to apply um, and actually works quicker Um, and luckily for us there is an uh, antibiotic 
injection that if it's really deemed necessary, we can give it and it lasts for 14 days oh, if gosh. it's implicated. So that takes, <laughs> takes being, away. Being that. scratched to ribbons, Marianne. Okay, so it could be a two-prong attack there. Yeah, I think we just need probably reassess. Brilliant. Sure. I hope that helps. Jane and Murray have been in touch on the text line saying, we are counting down the days until we get our gorgeous rescue girl. We would like to rename her... How easy is that to do? Any tips? It's estimated she's about two years old and is currently called Cookie. Oh, so changing a name. I love this question. Yeah, no, it's it's something that obviously with rescue animals, a lot of the time, um, over over time they get used to a particular name, but the chances are that Cookie may not have been Cookie for too long mm-hmm. and they associate, they can understand, probably they reckon dogs can understand about 20 words. Um, walkies usually being the first one. It? And after that, yeah. I think my dogs are far more intelligent. But, they, but they're but they more <laughs> they're more in tune with us so they can pick up on our movements much more. And presumably tone of voice and things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So when you're changing it over, it's, it, you know, it's very much you can sort of change straight away. They're not going to get offended by it or anything like that. Um, what I would probably do is as she's coming home um, I would uh, do it gradually over a couple of weeks just so that she's familiar but to be honest everything's going to be new to her and if you just say cookie in passing but the new name we you know say very excitedly, excitedly and lots of treats. clapping, <laughs> treats, praise everything then it, it, they generally do quite well. One of my colleagues did it in a um, changed name from Jackie to um, Honey and he she was she was a Jackie. No, yeah, I, know. I, mean, I love a human name for a dog as much yeah. as the next person but I feel like Jackie's pushing it a little exactly. bit. Exactly <laughs> and that was you know she was called Jackie for nine years um, and I used to look after her and she responded to both because my sons couldn't you know quite <gasps> fathom that but no it's not um, Not obviously learning recalls and things you use the new name Um, recalls probably the only thing that you really need it for but you know they respond to your voice and your Jane and Murray all the best with Cookie let us know let us know how it goes and let us know as well what you're going to change that name to. Um, We've got a question here from Neelu saying eight month old puppy digestion's never been great Soft poo, not running, but he's quite pukey. We've all tried lots of different brands, grain-free, licky mats with yogurt and peanut butter, bland diets of plain rice and chicken, salmon, tuna, all sorts of things he eats have been eliminated one at a time. We've spent thousands on investigations with nothing conclusive. Is it possible he just has a naturally dodgy tum? Yeah, of course, um, it's possible for dodgy tummies that um, just need very sensitive care. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of the times it can be feeding a specific um, type of hydrolyzed food along with probiotics, along with some antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times when we do investigations, we try one and then if it doesn't work, we move on to the next. But there are some of these patients and I know how frustrating diarrhea patients can be. Um, it is one of the most diarrhea, chronic diarrhea is one of the most frustrating for pets for, for the dogs themselves, owners and us as vets. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it's it depends on how that's been worked up. And sometimes we have to implement all of the medications to keep that. But, but as long as the patient is growing and doing well and isn't, you know, having lots of developmental problems, then um, if it can be managed, then that's the best way. Hope that helps, Neelu. Um, I've got a question here from... Uh, from James, which really made me giggle, saying any clever ideas you can share on how to deal with our feline escape artist? We've got a young male cat called Jerry. We think part Bengal was a rescue. We keep him in at night as otherwise he does tend to wander. And there was an episode last year he went missing for a few days. We've got a lockable cat flap set up for his own chip. 
but he headbutts the cat flap and we were worried he was going to break himself or it. So we've put some plastic boxes in front of it, hoping it would keep him in. No. This morning we found he'd slid his paw behind the boxes, hooked into the cat flap. So what else can we try? Do we need to turn our back kitchen door into Fort Knox? Sounds like Jerry wants to get out. Sorry, James. On a mission here. Any ideas? It certainly does. First of all, I hope you had CCTV to watch that manoeuvre <laughs> happening overnight. That sounds very impressive. But yeah, when you, you initially when you talk about a, a Bengal, even part Bengal, they've got a very high high drive. And if they want to do something, they're very much, um, they'll do it with very few things getting in their way, including plastic boxes. Um, I think that the first thing to um, just make sure is, does he have... Um, access sometimes outdoor cats during the day don't uh, don't particularly like to go to the toilet in litter trays they prefer to go outside so um, it can be quite difficult and um, just make sure that he is using the litter tray when he is he might just be desperate to pee and want to go out and he's you know that's his drive to to need to go out um, if you're if if he rarely uses it, maybe try and change a couple of litters to stay in um, overnight. The other thing is is to try and give him some stimulation overnight so that he's not like trying what? to get out. So you can get all sorts of things, you know, little mice that you can wind up with treats um, that can go on, on a timer, like every hour starts moving <laughs> around. Now the only thing is he might start jumping around the place and knocking things over at three a.m. in the morning, but. Lots of um, kind of puzzles and puzzle treats and things and treat hunts and things. Cats obviously love um, hunting for their food. Um, so it's it's hiding bits and pieces and try and also just tire him out before he goes to bed mm-hmm. so that he actually sleeps. And of course, if you can move him into a room where he doesn't have access to the cat flap, if that's a possibility yeah. as well. Hope that helps, James. Please keep us posted. As, as Leon says, if you could set up a little video for us and send that <laughs> over on the zero four eight seven one double five double zero, I would love that. Um, staying with cats, Marion's been in touch saying, "Hello, both. I'm after some advice. I've got two indoor one year old male cats, neutered, up to date with everything." Um, I noticed a young cat in our garden last week. She, uh, today, she was ripping open bin bags. I put my hand out to her, and she ran over, and I noticed she was quite heavily pregnant. I would hazard a guess at it being about six months based on the size my cats were. So about six months old. She seems young. I've taken her in, put her in my secure bathroom with bedding, cardboard box with sheets, towels, hot water bottle, food and drink, which she wolfed down, litter trays, some toys and a little light. She's not trying to escape. She's really friendly, which makes me question if she's astray. But with her being so young and pregnant, I don't want to leave her outside. Any advice? Am I doing the right thing by keeping her in? Is there anything I should be doing that I'm not? I feel bad for locked in a room with no company with my two spoilt boys in the house. Oh, Mariam, thank you for that. Uh, what comes to mind? Mariam, you sound like you're doing a great job. Um, I think the only thing is, is now that you've moved her in, she might never want to leave <laughs> with the constant supply. But it sounds like, bless her, she's been, she's obviously at an end stage of gestation um, and trying to produce milk. And if she's trying to wade through the bins um, and she's obviously going to much appreciate um, what happens. All you can do is if you want her to be in a situation where hopefully she'll end up going um, back outside after she's had the kittens a good thing at this time of the year is that the weather's quite good so um, you know even if you if you're worried about oh gosh now I've made the commitment for this cat and all these kittens there's there's so many garden cats that are very very happy as long as they have their constant supply of, of food yes young you know young cats 
she was probably caught in her first season um, but rarely as I say um, we let nature take its course and don't interfere and they rarely have any problems but I think the key thing is is just watch out for any restlessness um, and the early stages of labour and to be honest the best advice I can give is to just try and leave well alone provide the food um, increase them the, the calories little and often is key because in the same way as us when we're heavily pregnant you can't your stomach shrinks um, so little and often is the key and if she knows that she can get that she doesn't need to wolf down food you know once a day so that will massively help and then what about i guess reintroducing the cat and the kittens back back to the wider world Again, I think it's, you know, she's going to be very based around food, especially whenever she's lactating. So, you know, you can do it from, you know, move the, have a box that she's had, move the box outside. I think smells are are, are an important thing. Um, And as I say, just do all your feeding outside, all your interaction outside. To be honest, the majority of Arabian mouths want to be outside as much as possible if mm-hmm. they if they're from there. Um, but obviously, at the minute, I think she's just enjoying all of your affection, um, which is amazing, which I, she deserves. As bless all her. new mums should have. Well, listen, Mum, all the very best. Please send us photos of the kittens, please. Um, I want to come to this question. Staying with cats, no name on this one, but happy to help. Saying my cat's third eyelid has been up. Saying I'm not sure if this is the right terminology for a few days. Wasn't sure what it was, but googled it last night. I'll obviously get into the vets. ASAP. He's not in any pain that I can see, acting normally and eating. Litter stuff seems normal, not sleeping any more than usual. He's about 11. Just so I'm prepared, is it going to be horrendously expensive vet fees? Could there be a long-term issue and do I need to be worried? Yeah, of course. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those signs that could mean many things. So, um, it, But what I will say is that there is... Um, there is a syndrome called Hawes syndrome which can be caused by um, a virus which is often self-limiting so if if, if both are affected then um, usually as long as everything's normal in terms of eating, drinking, everything else is normal and there's no squinting or, or discomfort in the eyes um, then often it's absolutely fine to monitor for three or four weeks to see as soon as you get any evidence of discomfort it's like anything with eyes it's very important to get it checked out um, but certainly as to say and um, the other thing that can happen third eyelids can go up if they have tapeworm infestation so just make sure oh, okay. up to date with worming um, and other than that unfortunately it's very difficult for me to tell without having a good look underneath what's happening but you do but the right thing the by things. getting yep. to the vet tomorrow yep. all right all the very best one last question uh isa saying we've got a 10 week old puppy and the biting is getting me down we had this yesterday with the puppies at the clinic yeah i know puppies bite um, but it feels absolutely relentless. I seem to be her primary target. <laughs> what can I do about it? Really struggling. If I turn my back, she jumps and snaps at my legs. If I stand still, she jumps and snaps at my legs. Um, she grabs clothing, um, and I don't want her to see it as a game. Don't want to put her in the crate, because all the advice says it shouldn't be used as timeout or punishment. I've got a pen that I was using, but she started to jump out. I'm feeling really tearful and defeated and quite sore. Please tell me it passes. Yeah. This is where you say... It passes. It does pass. It does pass. It does pass. But it's it's not fun in the moment. It's not. It's not fun. Um, I think the main thing is is that at the end of the day puppy will be teething and you know they get satisfaction from from nibbling and biting as well trying your best to move that on to um a new toy is the idea often we say you know introduce a new toy every three or four days as well so that they don't get bored of it 
and you know using that if if they do if if you do get a nip straight away moving on to the toy making it all nice and fun again you know decibels of your excitement through the roof um, mm-hmm. and obviously praising um, whenever she's on the toy and moving with the toy and using obviously treats as well um, if that is um, something that she likes as a, as a high reward but you know many dogs depends on the breed as well but many dogs toys are a massive you know the biggest reward for them as well so it's trying to move on to that but as I say it is it's it, it it's, it's a time pass thing um, we do there are um, some dog trainers that can certainly come and help and, and, and discuss with it we work with a few very closely so certainly if you need any of those just get in touch and we can um, certainly help you along that way it is like this is like parenthood isn't it yeah. it's just a phase it's a bit like why does my child not sleep it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's and then you similar. look back and you're like oh, I can't remember that time and we had the same with chewing actually with our dogs yep. Jarvis in particular and I remember coming home being like I hate that dog <laughs> Because it's not a matter of is something going to be destroyed. It's going to be what has been absolutely devastated in my home. And he went through shoes and sunglasses. And I I, I was at the end of my rope with him. And then you suddenly realise that you're like, oh, it's been a while since <laughs> I lost a flip-flop. But it is a phase. It's a learning. It's a learning. It but, I do, but I do understand. But sometimes just even a chat with the behaviours just to make sure you're doing the right thing yep. just can take that anxiety away because okay. I understand for sure Dr Leon thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure as ever you can be found at the British Veterinary Hospital um, all the very best go back and give those puppies there a little snuggle I might come and do the same over the weekend take care of yourself And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.